says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Debbie's, Debbie's grandfather, my wife's grandfather, who raised her, her grandmother and grandfather raised her, he loved to quote this verse. He said it was his favorite verse. He, he loved to quote, on, quote it all the time. And at first, when I first met him and, and he, would, he would quote this verse and he would talk about this being his favorite verse, I would think to myself, and, and I wasn't thinking neg- negatively of him, but um, I thought, well, this is, that's such a simple verse. And it's one of, those, one of those fallback verses, if you will, for Christians, right? Because most people, if they've been um, Christians for long enough, they know John 3.16, and honestly, they know Proverbs 3.5. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. And so when he first would quote that, and he quoted a lot, I would think, well, you know, it's a simple, it's kind of a simple verse, right? And... Uh, Again, it's one of those fallback kinds of verses that you can quickly pull out um, in different situations. But as I began to truly understand him, got to know him, really got to know the man, I realized it didn't come from a place of simplicity in his life. It came from a place of experience. This was his favorite verse because of the experiences that he had in his life. Ken Einerson was in World War II, and at one point during the war, he was uh, in the Battle of the Remagen Bridge. Now, if you're a historian, know exactly what I'm talking about. You know, you land on the beaches of Normandy, that's the biggie. Um, But then there's the Battle of Remagen Bridge, and this was a huge, huge battle in World War II. And he was there, and he he tells, during this whole experience that I had with him, um, he would tell these amazing stories about World War II. And that was my favorite, this, this, this Remagen Bridge story. He went into all kinds of experiences and, and told us what happened, you know, tanks going right over their foxhole and those kinds of things where you could see underneath. And it was amazing. But this was, the story I'm going to share with you was the most amazing. And it helped me understand why Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 was so important to Ken. He said that there was a point in the war where they were all camped outside of the city of Remagen. And they would obviously go to sleep at night. And every night they would go to sleep, um, they woke up and had a dead soldier. Someone at night was getting up and stabbing, killing the soldiers one by one. They had a spy in their midst. And they couldn't figure out who it was because these spies were pretty amazing because the Nazis at that point, what they would do is they would have people, you know, they, they sounded like they were Americans. They looked like they were Americans. They talked like it. They would talk about, he said they would talk about the Yankees or they would, they would talk about the Red Sox and they would get into all kinds of discussions that, you know, I went to this place in Boston. It's my favorite place to eat pizza in New York. And you figured, no, they, these guys grew up in those places. So they couldn't figure out how to trap the spy uh, and stop the killing. So Ken prayed about it. And I think he came up with a brilliant plan after his prayer. He decided that the, you get all the, the, the men together, everyone in their unit together, and he had everyone line up outside of this tent. And he said, we're going to issue new uniforms and new shoes. 
I want everyone to line up and come in one at a time and we'll get your sizes and you tell us and everything and then we'll, we'll have the shoes and the uniforms come to you as soon as we can. So each person walked in and when they asked the, uh, the Americans to come in, they would say, size this and my pants are size this. And when it came to their shoes, so what's your shoe size? They would say, I'm a size uh, nine, I'm a size 11, I'm a size 12, whatever the case may be. And they would do it in inches. And when the spy came in, he said, shirt, you know, pants. And when he talked about his shoes, he did it. He said it in meters. And they trapped him that way. And so Ken just with the MPs, when the guy came in, there's your guy. They caught him and there was no more killings at night because they captured the spy. And I realized that, you know, Ken's wisdom didn't come from his own mind he was a very intelligent man, but there's a, he, as I get older, I realize there's a gigantic difference between people who are good test takers and just intelligent and people who are wise. Wisdom doesn't come with intelligence all the time. It's something that comes from God when we ask for it. We ask God for wisdom. He prayed and asked God for wisdom, and God gave him that wisdom. And much of that wisdom came from the book of Proverbs. That's why Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 was his favorite verse. Because of the experiences that he had in life, the times where he asked God for help, and God gave him the help through his wisdom and through the word and through the spirit. As I was talking to my son-in-law, Drew, about maybe a month and a half ago, we were talking about actually this new series that we're in, and he will make your path straight. And Drew was saying that this is one of his favorite verses. And he said that, you know, you can, and the reason it's one of my favorite verses is that you can sum up really all of life, if you will, in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Listening to God, right? You listen to God through his word, through the Holy Spirit. You listen to God and then you trust him. You trust him. You don't always lean on your own wisdom. You don't lean on your own understanding. You don't, you don't make decisions on your own. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Trust him. And he said, the older I get, the more I realize I need to trust him more. I need to not make decisions based upon my own experiences and my, my own perspective and my own thoughts and my own ideas and my own whatever, but trusting in God and the discipline to actually do that. Because I'll be honest with you. This is a pretty simple verse, right? Like I said earlier, um, when, I, when Debbie's grandfather first said that hey, this was his favorite verse and he would quote it all the time, I honestly thought to myself, I was a little, you know, I was younger and I wasn't too bright. And I thought, well, you know, that's kind of a simple verse. If you're going to have a life verse, you know what I mean? That's kind of a simple verse to have, isn't it? But I, I realized something as I studied this verse over the years I realized as I, as I got more and more into the, the, the original text and, and what it meant, and I realized this, this childlike trust that we find in these verses is deeply rooted, deeply rooted in sound doctrine, in sound doctrine and expressed in, in bold obedience, okay? Uh, here's what I mean. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Did I confuse? Raise your hand if you're confused by that. Right? No one's confused. But let's really be honest now. And I'm going to raise my hand on this one. 
How often do we trust in the Lord with all of our hearts and lean not on our own understandings, right? We, we, we trust in ourselves first a lot of the time. And then once we've gone through all, we've tried everything. And then we go to God or go to the word of God and try to seek wisdom or pray. But first we try everything. I've tried everything. I might as well try God. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart first. Lean not on your own understanding. He will make your path straight. A lot of our paths right now are twisted. A lot of us have run ourselves into ditches. A lot of us are in a lot of trouble. A lot of us had a lot of issues going on in our lives, honestly. And let's just be fair and honest, all right? Because this simple verse, <laughs> come on, people. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean on on your understanding. Try it. Bold, it takes bold obedience. This is theologically deep, okay? And it takes bold obedience to actually do it. To actually do it. Try it, honestly. You're going through a hard time right now? Put, lay, just go on your knees, okay? And let God, trust that God is going to get you through what you're experiencing right now. It's so easy to say it, but it is so hard as human beings to do it. Because we, we go, we... we we, we go through all of our resources before we actually take the time to trust in God with all of our hearts. We don't have that bold obedience. And that's what we're calling for this morning, this bold obedience. Proverbs 3, 5 says this, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Two words that are very important, a lot of words, but two that I'm going to pull out. Okay, trust and lean. Okay, so I'm going to tell you what they literally mean in this text. To trust means to lying helplessly face down. That's the whole idea. When you say trust in the Lord with all of your heart, it's lying helplessly, helplessly face down before God. That position of complete and utter putting yourself before the Lord, laying on your face helplessly before your God. That's what it literally means. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. That's why in order for us to truly live this out, it takes a lot more than quoting the verse to someone or quoting it to ourselves, but really not living it out. Living it out is talking about this lying helplessly face down. Lean means, the word lean means to support yourself. In other words, it means to depend on yourself. You're depending on yourself. Now, we're, most of us in this room would say that we're believers or we're Christians, we're followers of Jesus, all right? But let's be really honest. Don't we depend on ourselves most of the time? Don't we lean on ourselves most of the time? We want to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. You know, I've gone strong. I can do this. You know, I'm a self-made woman. I'm a self-made man. I'm a, and this pride wells up that we don't need anyone. I've had people tell me, I don't need God. I, you know, and honestly, the last person who told me that I'm told, I'm being totally honest. Their life is in complete and utter ruin. Month, a couple months ago, someone said that to me. I don't, you don't need to. And their life is completely, and I mean, when I say shambles, I mean their life is in complete and utter shambles. We all have two choices in life. To depend on our own wisdom and our own understanding, or to see life from God's perspective, okay, and trust in God's wisdom, and trust only in him. We can look at our lives and our choices 
from our own perspective, which is what we normally do. And I'm not, I'm not beating up on all of us. I'm, again, I'll raise my hand. I do this. I'm, hopefully, I'm, I'm maturing in my relationship with Christ, and I'm, I'm constantly trying to read the Word and grow and become more like Jesus. So I'm growing in this area, but I'm not. There's no way I can say I never lean on my own understanding. That's just not true. I'm getting better. But here's the thing. Here's what, here's, here's what I'm saying. Um, We have to stop seeing life from our perspective, from our own experiences, my experience, from our own our own thoughts, our own ideas, our own perspective. We got to stop seeing it and see life the way God sees life. We got to see it through God's lenses, through his word. Try to see life through God's perspective, from an eternal perspective. These are extremely difficult. They're simple. You can, under, you can cognitively understand what I'm saying pretty simply, all right? But these are extremely difficult to live out. They're extremely difficult. And I'm just being honest and saying it up front. It's hard. What we're talking about is very, very difficult. So we need to trust God. We need to, we need to rely on God because God sees a larger perspective. We just got back... We just got back from a mission trip to Alaska, took about 44 people on this Alaskan mission trip, and it was absolutely amazing. It was the greatest, yeah, yeah, you can, that's fine. It was the greatest experience for so many people. It, um, it, it was just this dichotomy. It was the most beautiful place you've ever been in your entire life. My, it was incredible, okay, the beauty of it. And it was in some ways, and you'll understand if you were on the trip, one of the ugliest places I've ever been in my life. And the reason I say ugly is because the hopelessness of the people there, so many people there, the, the, the brokenness of so many of the children that we worked with, the brokenness of the family, and then the brokenness and the hopelessness of the children and the teenagers we spent a lot of time with, I, the, they are some of the worst stories of any mission trip I've ever been on in my entire life. If I, and this is, I'm being totally honest, I thought it through. If God said, okay, you're going to be born into the world, and you could either be born in a village in Africa, surrounded by the people in that village, or in where we were in Alaska, where we were, the people we ministered to, I would rather be born in Africa in a village with no running water, okay, and nothing else, rather than being born where these, some of these kids are, what they're born into. The hopelessness. I didn't see the same hopelessness when I was in Africa, when I'm in Africa. I don't see that same ho- the hopelessness in people's eyes. There it was so brutally um, evident. The, the great thing about that is, though, we're doing so much here with our houses and things that we're doing, with our aging out foster care and kids at risk. This is the United States. They don't need a visa. They don't need a passport. They can just get on a plane or get on a bus. And as we go through this process and set all this up, they can actually get here so we can impact their lives. It's not like we're helpless and hopeless here. We're going to try to impact the lives of people all around the world, but right in our own community and right in our own nation first. So that's the exciting part of that. But we were on this mission trip, and we had the privilege of being able to uh, minister in Anchorage. Flew into Anchorage on a large plane. It was great, right? In most places in Alaska where people minister, they have to get to Anchorage first or one of the other large airports, and they have to take small planes to their, their, their destination. 
Um, the problem with that is that sometimes the weather just turns. It goes from, in the summertime, maybe 70 degrees down to like 48 or 50. The winds pick up. The weather is terrible. And so people have to fly in small planes through a low uh, cloud ceiling, um, through um, just, just horrible, horrible, horrible um, uh, weather conditions. And so we, again, didn't have to do that. We didn't have to get on those small planes, but a lot of people have to do that. And I I heard a story um, that I find that was absolutely fascinating to me. There was a mission ship that these folks were taking. They flew into Anchorage and then they had to fly out of Anchorage on two small planes. And the pilots of those planes had to watch the weather report hour by hour to see if there was an opening in the weather to their their destination, their mission's destination. So finally, the weather broke at the destination, okay, where they were going, and they took off. But when they took off, there was still uh, clouds. There was still a lot of rain. There was still, um, like, just dismal conditions where they were taking off from. So they took off one of the planes. One of the planes was instrument rated. And I'm not an expert, but instrument rated basically means you can go higher. They have the instruments where you can go higher altitude wise. So one plane could fly above the clouds and above all the weather and see things clearly. They were able to see more clearly. The second plane was not instrument rated, so it had to fly lower. And it was flying right in the midst of like you can't see your hand in front of your face kind of thing. And so the first plane, the upper plane, the one that was higher, was in constant radio contact with the lower plane, telling them where to go, what path to take, when to turn right, when to turn left, because there's mountains everywhere there. Okay, this is a very dangerous place. There's wind conditions. And so the upper plane was guiding the lower plane that couldn't really see its way through all this experience. So the lower plane's experience, what it was seeing was, gray clouds rain that was that was his experience the upper plane was having a beautiful day it was a beautiful day right they were in the sunshine they were enjoying the beauty they could see it all so as they were flying the one plane was up here the one plane that was down here they're going the same direction they're on the same they're on the same path if you will one was having a very positive experience the other was not having a positive experience at all it needed to focus on what the first plane was saying what the first plane was doing there was a lot more stress in that situation, the two pilots had two different experiences. They had, they, they, they had two totally different views, if you will, of the world. One seeing clearly before them, one not seeing clearly at all because they were stuck in the fog and the rain and the clouds and the dismal conditions. From where the second plane was flying, again, where they were, again, dismal not able to see. But the lead plane was above it all. The lead plane flew above it all and enjoyed the experience that they were having because the clouds, the fog, the not, they didn't have, was beneath them. It was underneath them, if you will. In life, we face the same issues, don't we? We face the same issues. We, okay, we're the second plane. You, 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 some of you are going through that right now. You're the second plane. 
You can't see your hand in front of your face. You're in the most difficult position you've ever been in your life or you're about to go into a difficult time or, or you're, you're in just like one of those, oh, experiences in your life and you can't see your hand in front of your face. You don't know what decision to make. To go. Should I go to the right? Should I go to the left? Should I go up? Should I go down? I'm not really sure. We're the second plane and we can't see the big picture. We can't see the whole picture that's in front of us. See, when things get challenging in this life, when things get challenging, we can't see beyond the fog and the clouds sometimes. I tell people all the time, don't make decisions while you're in this situation. It's most likely going to be a bad decision. Why? Because you can't think clearly. You can't see clearly. You can't see the future. You don't know if you're going to go to the right, crash into one mountain, the left, maybe crash into... You don't know. So don't make really a life-altering decisions when you're in a crisis situation. I try to explain that to people all the time. Without God's guidance, we are left with, with, with our own understanding... We're left with our own perspective. If we don't have God to guide us, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. He will make your path clear. He will help you see. He will help you understand if you trust in the Lord with all of your heart. But see, the, 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 our problem is without God's guidance, if we say, oh, I, can, I don't need whatever, without his guidance, you are left, okay, with the unknown. You're left with your own understanding, with your own perspective. And I'm telling you, being left with your own understanding, your own knowledge, your own perspective will lead you nowhere but into a bad situation. You cannot see the whole story. You cannot see the big picture. You don't know which way to go. When we, when we can see things from God's perspective, what once looked so ominous to us has been defanged, if you will. What once looked so ominous and so overwhelming, when we see it from God's perspective, honestly, it ends up being not such a big deal. We spend, so, honestly, let's just be honest. How many hours, how many weeks, months, years of your life have you spent in, with anxiety and worry and fear and concern when the reality is, this is statistically, not just biblically, 95% of what you're worried about, I think it's the, the actual numbers, I think 93% of what we worry about all the time never happens. And what does happen, the thing that does, does happen, most people get through it without much of a problem. They are able to get through the dilemma that they spend so much time worrying about. That's what we do. And without God's guidance, my friends, that's our only, that's our fallback. To be anxious, to worry, to have fear, to, to be stressed out, to all the words you want to use, we do that because we're not trusting in the Lord with all of our heart. Our hearts are breaking. Our hearts are overwhelmed. You feel like an elephant is sitting on your chest. Your stomach's so sick. Because we're not trusting in the Lord with all of our heart. We're leaning on our own understanding. Verse 6 says, We need to acknowledge Him. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. To acknowledge simply means, in this text, this, it means in the original, to know. It simply means to know. These verses contain not only, okay, not, not, not only the idea of acknowledging God, 
but the deeper idea, the deeper perspective of having uh, a relationship, a personal, intimate relationship with God, having fellowship with God. Why is that so important? Acknowledging him, okay, to know him. It goes on, like I said, to have fellowship, to have intimate fellowship with him. Listen, this is this, this little simple verse. Right? Just simple verse. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and you'll make your path straight. Ah, I got it. No, listen to this. You acknowledge him. Um, if you don't have a deep relationship with someone, if you don't know someone really, really well, if you um, haven't gotten into any deep conversations, you go on a mission trip together, okay, and you guys who are younger and you guys are oh, we took some older, older. We took some adults with us as well. And, um, <laughs> and if you don't know someone, um, guess what? You don't trust them. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Know him. Have an intimate relationship with him. Be in fellowship with him. Some of you will come to me sometimes and you will say, What do I do, Pastor? What do I do? People who've known me longer and I've been through battles with and we've been through the ups and downs and the roller coaster rides and we've been through struggles and we've overcome whatever. Those people will come and say, tell me what tell me what to do. And I will always say, I'm not God, but according to God's word. And here's the best. But they want they don't want me to say, well, what do you think you should do? They're asking me, tell me what you think I should do. Why do they say that? Because they trust me. I'm not I'm I'm not bragging. I trust them. I go to them and say, tell me what you think I should do in this situation. Why? I trust them. So you can just wipe out completely the idea of trusting the Lord with all your heart. Lean on it. Trusting the Lord with all your heart is not going to happen if you don't acknowledge him. If you don't know him, if you don't have an intimate relationship with him, if you're not in fellowship with him, you're not going to trust him. And the whole thing falls apart. The whole thing just completely falls apart. We need to be in fellowship. We need to know him. We need to, we need to, we need to have an intimate relationship with him. Then, and only then, will we trust him. Right now, you, you trust him. You kind of trust him. That's why you're still anxious. You're still stressed. You're still living in fear. You're still overwhelmed. Your stomach's still sick. You still feel like an elephant sitting on your chest. Here's, let me back up for a second real fast. Um, there's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with sometimes feeling stress and feeling a little worried and feeling concerned and feeling an elephant sitting on your chest. You're a human being. That's how you're going to feel. Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane sweat blood. And I say, thank you for that story because sometimes I feel like I'm going to sweat blood. But here's the, here's the end of that story. Father, if you can take this cup from me, take it from me. If you can take this away, this is his fully God, fully man. His fully man says, side says, Father, if it be your will, if you can take this from me, take it from me. I don't think I can handle this. I'm sweating blood. And then all of a sudden, deep breath. Da-da. But not my will be done. Your will be done. I trust in you with all of my heart. I'm not going to lean on my own understanding. That's what, we have, that, that's what we have to be. It's okay to feel. There's nothing wrong with feeling. There's nothing wrong with experiencing. But once you've experienced, you take a step back and you say, Lord, I, I, need, to give this, I need to get this elephant on my chest and put it on yours. You're much bigger. You can, you can just pick the elephant up. I, I can't handle it, but you can. I want to trust in you with all of my heart. I don't want to lean on my own understanding, Lord, because I don't know what to do. When you have an important decision to make, 
The view from where you're flying can often cause you to make some serious errors and blunders. Really can. Serious errors. The view from where you're flying. Let me say that again. Our plain analogy. The view from where you're flying can often make you make some decisions that are just awful errors in your life and terrible blunders in your life. And when you're on a plane, that probably is the worst time to make some serious errors and blunders, correct? You're flying around. It's like right in front of you. Oh, I'm fine. I'm sure there's no mountains right in front of me. It'll all work out just fine. This is a bad time to lean on your own understanding. I can see about four feet in front of me. I'm sure I'll be able to see it before I hit the mountain. You know what I mean? When, we, when we're on a plane, that's not the time to lean on your own understanding. When you're on a plane, you want that connection with the plane that's higher than you, that has that, the instruments to tell you to go to the right or to go to the left or to go up or to fly a little lower, whatever the case may be. You need those instruments. You need the person who can see more than you can see, who's experiencing more than you're experiencing and knows which way that you should go. That's the one you want to depend on. And it's the same in life as in a plane. You don't want to depend on your own eyes or your own understanding if you're the one flying through the fog, if you're the one flying through the clouds, if you're the one flying through the hail, if you're the one flying through those experiences, you don't want to be the one, I got this. You don't got this. In life, you don't got this either. If you all, I'm, I'm I'm with us. This is our church. But if we did what I'm describing right here, I would be sitting at home eating bonbons once in a while, my feet up, you know what I'm saying? Hanging out fishing more. But the fact that we don't got this keeps me busy. <laughs> you can, I'm serious. I'm busy. You guys keep, I keep myself busy. You keep me busy. You keep a lot of the staff busy. We could fire like four people if we just listen. Okay? <laughs> We wouldn't need all these folks. Oh, my goodness. You're all like, is he being funny or is he some of you people? Yes, I'm being funny. All right. Some blunders, though. Okay. Some blunders and some errors cause so much damage in your life and in your relationships. And it's not worth it. God knows where your blunders and your mistakes and your errors are going to take you. And he's saying, trust me. I know this is hard. I know you can't see, but you've got to trust me. There's a mountain, a relational mountain right in front of you. You're going to crash right into, and that's going to be difficult for you to recover from. Trust me. Go to the right. Well, you're going to the right for so long. How long do I have to go to the right? I don't write. It doesn't look right to me. I don't see anything. I'm going to go back this way. God, how can you let this happen to me? God, how can you do this to me? God, how could you let me? Ha- how could you let this happen to me? I told you to go right. I wasn't listening. It took you too long, right? I mean, this will be honest. I mean, I'm being silly, but this th- I'm being silly, but this is reality. We blame God because we chose to do what we wanted to do and lean on our own understanding. Proverbs three, five, and six helps us look at life from God's perspective. Let's really be honest. We only have two choices here. There's really two choices that we're talking about. One leads to right decisions and one leads to wrong decisions. Trust in the Lord with all your heart leads to right decisions. Lean on your own understanding leads to wrong decisions. Now, 
the way you know you're making the right decision, I'm gonna, this is going to be mind-boggling again. Hang on. Put your thinking caps on. The way you know you're going to make the right decision is to trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Notice the opposite. What is the opposite in this verse? God's not playing games. The opposite of trusting in the Lord with all of your heart is what? Is Say it. Leaning on your own understanding. So they're both, they're not, these aren't like, I can trust in the Lord with all my heart. One option. Number two, the other good option is to lean on my own understanding. No, one is good, one is wrong. One is right, one is wrong. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. One is right, one is correct, one is wrong. Your understanding, your perspective, your feelings, oh my goodness, you could wipe out 75% of all the trouble in your life if we would all stop making decisions based upon our feelings and our emotions. Ravi Zacharias, let me see if I remember this. He said, we live in a generation that hears with their eyes and thinks with their feelings. We hear with our eyes and we think with our feelings. And I'm going to tell you something. It is killing us, killing us. Making decisions based upon your emotions or your feelings is the fastest and most effective way to destroy your life and destroy your relationships. Leaning on your own understanding is like flying in the second plane below the clouds without guidance and seriously hoping it all works out for you. You just keep grabbing those bootstraps as you fly into that mountain. Let me take this illustration a little further. Think of the word understanding, okay? This may help, like, so you think of the word understanding. When you choose to make decisions without God, we are standing under the situation. I make decisions with God, I'm standing over. If I make decisions without God, I am standing under. Standing under, flying under, you're not following the lead plane, God. You're not following the lead plane. You're standing under, and you say, well, what's wrong with standing under? When, when, when I look up, so I can see, I can see from under. But here, here's the thing with looking from under. It may give you, may give you, is going to give you an incomplete and totally incomplete or distorted picture, a distorted perspective. When you're looking from under, I could take a tapestry and hold it up, a beautiful rug tapestry, and you look at it from this end, you, I'll hold it up this way. If you're looking at it from above, you're going, wow, that is so beautiful. Look at the intricacy of that. If you look at it from below, you're going, what a mishmash of garbage. What is that? I know it's a rug. It looks like a rug. But you ever see a tapestry? You turn it over, and it's all like, they're just, all everything mishmashed together. You turn it over, and you're like, holy mackerel, check that out. What a beautiful picture. God sees a beautiful picture. I'm seeing the, what is that, a rug? That's what, that's what we're talking about here. You're not following the lead plane. You're not following God. And what, what may look right from underneath is an incomplete, it is a distorted picture, a distorted perspective. You're seeing only what's possible that, that for you to see through thick cloud cover, through fog, through dismal weather. That's what you're able to see. That's all you're able to see. You can't see, you cannot see the whole picture. You cannot see the complete picture. 1 Corinthians 13, 12 says this. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. We can only see part of the picture that God is painting. I know it's hard. I know we don't like it. 
But the reality is that's all we can see. We have finite minds. We can only see part of the picture that God is painting. If we want to truly trust him, we have to let, listen, if we want to truly trust him, we have to let go of our pride. I can pull my, I don't need God. I can do whatever. Our pride, our programs, our own programs, and our plans. We need to turn that over to him. Remember what Paul used to say? I'll be in Rome if it be God's will. I'll do this and that if it be God's will. He took his plans and was like, I'd like to come visit you if it be God's will. But I have to follow God. I have to follow the lead plane. If we want to truly trust him, we have to let go of those things. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 25 says this, For the foolishness of God is wiser than than human wisdom. The foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom. And then in Isaiah 55, 8, 9, listen to this verse, okay? Now that we've laid this out with the the plane that's higher and the plane that's lower, I want you to listen to this. Isaiah 55, 8, 9, For my thoughts are not your thoughts. My thoughts are not your thoughts. So if you have a thought on how to do something, guess what? It's not God's. Your thought is your thought. My thought is my thought. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways. So the how you figure it out and how I would figure it out are two separate and distinct things. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Your ways are not my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. My ways, my thoughts, Everything is higher than yours. I'm up here. I see the picture. You see the tapestry from underneath. We're not, this is not, your finite minds cannot comprehend what I can. So trust me to lead you. God, you, how many people like to play with puzzles? Yeah, puzzle people, right. I, I have to have my grandchildren show me where the big giant puzzle pieces go. Right here, pops. I'm like, oh yeah, that does fit together. <laughs> I, I stink at that kind of stuff. All right. I stink. So you'll understand my analogy if you're not a good puzzle player. Okay, God sees, or if you are, God sees the finished puzzle. We only see the pieces. We're only able to see the pieces and go, I wonder, gosh, I wonder if that blue and that red, because their dress is red over here and they fit together. We don't see the whole thing. We don't understand. God does. See, I I know it often bothers us. Not to understand everything, not to understand. I want to know the whole story, right? You want to know the whole story. And it bothers us that we don't know the whole story. Because again, I'm just going to be honest, because a lot of us are control freaks, right? We want it. We need to be with something, whatever it is from your past or whatever it is in your present is causing you to have to be in control. of. So you don't like it that you don't get the whole picture. You don't want to see just pieces. You want the whole puzzle put together. You want to see the tapestry the way God sees the tapestry. And you don't like it that you can't. You don't like the fact that you're not in control. But if we insist, okay, I'm just being honest again. If we insist on God always making sense to our finite minds, if we insist that God, before we follow, before we lead, it needs to make sense to my finite mind. If we insist on that, we're setting ourselves up for spiritual failure. Trust me. How many times you said to your kids, please, don't go to that whatever. Trust me on this. It's not because your parents are stupid. It's because they went to that same party when they were 16 years old. Trust me. You can't trust the people that are there. If you get too drunk and pass out, whoever your name, you know, Nancy, if you, if you fall asleep at that party, trust me, it's probably not where you want to fall asleep. Trust me. 
We can't see the whole picture. We need to trust God, even if we can't see the whole picture. Because if we demand that we can see the whole thing before we trust him, we are in for spiritual failure. And when we choose to act on our limited understanding, when you and I choose to to act on our limited understanding, we can easily, easily, and are most often led astray to make decisions that are not good at all. Because we're leaning on our own understanding. Proverbs 16.25 says this. There is a way that appears to be right to me. There is a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death 95% of the time. Seems right, but in the end, it leads to spiritual or physical death. And God is saying, I love you so much. I love you with all, you're my child. I don't want you to go down that path. I know where that path leads. And 95% of the answers to where it leads all end in misery, horror, and suffering. When we choose to walk life's path in a way that seems right to us, it often ends in disaster. Do you want to know why the kids you hung out with, those you went to Alaska, why those kids are so feeling so stinking hopeless? Choices of the people before them. The choices of the people that are supposed to be overseeing and caring for them and loving them are so dynamically terrible. That's why they're suffering so much. They're leaning on their own understanding. They're making whatever decision, emotions they feel like making. And the end is spiritual. The end is emotional. And the end is sometimes physical death. And that's what God is saying, for goodness sake, please just listen to me. We need to ask ourselves, when we make a decision, are we going to live according to our own personal perspective, our own feelings? I have to say this again. Please, if you, if you learn nothing else this morning, stop. Stop making your decisions based upon your feelings and your emotions. Please, please, please stop it. Are you going to make decisions based upon your own perspective, your own feelings, or are you going to start making decisions based on the unchanging word of God? The unchanging word of God, the sensitivity of the Holy Spirit. How are you going to make your decisions? I want you to bow your heads with me as we, I want to take some time and do have some communion, but Listen, just listen to my voice. Please listen to my words. We, we may not understand. We may not understand how God is causing all things to work together for good. Romans 8, 28. God works all things together for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. We may not understand how God is causing all things to work together for the good. But when we trust him with all of our hearts, we can be sure that he is. And if you're thinking, I can't take that chance, then you don't know him well enough. You don't have a deep enough and more intimate relationship with him. You're not in true and deep fellowship with him. Therefore, you don't trust him. Draw closer to him and then you will trust him. Because he is working all things together for your good. 
regardless of what the enemy is trying to do to you, or regardless of what the people around you are trying to do to you, honestly, regardless of what you're doing to yourself, in the end, God can still take all of those mistakes and all of those blunders and all of those errors and still work them for your good if you trust in Him and not lean on your own understanding and acknowledge Him intimately in a relationship with Him. He will lead you back on a straight path. Put away your pride. Put away your plans. I've gotten you nowhere. During our time of communion, let's renew our commitment to trusting in God's guidance. G.K. Chesterton said, when things in life become difficult, the tendency is to turn away from God. But in heaven's name to what? It's time to turn back and start following God's guidance. It's time to put him first in your life and not your own understanding. It's time to stop stop trusting your feelings and trusting your emotions and start trusting his word and trusting his spirit because he will make your path straight. He will straighten out the mess that you find yourself in because he's a loving God who wants the best for you. I'm going to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Starting in verse 23, we're going to take communion together. I want, you to, I want you during this communion to remember who Jesus Christ is. Remember what he did for you. Remember the sacrifice he made for you and how much he loves you, the way he loves you. And he continues to love you. Remember that as we take communion together. And to begin to put your trust in him or renew your trust in him to guide you through life. So I'm going to read, then I'm going to pray. After I'm finished praying, you don't have to wait for anybody else. You can just go take the bread and take the cup. Sit down. You don't have to wait for anybody else. Just take of the bread and take of the cup as they play the song. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23, it says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Father God, we want to remember your son, Jesus Christ, and what you did for us by giving him to us to have that relationship with us. And Father, we thank you for this bread, which symbolizes your body. Thank you that Jesus Christ was willing to die on a cross for our sins, that we can be called your children. Father, thank you for this cup that symbolizes your blood, which was shed for us, that covers us from all of our sin, past, present, and future because of what your son Jesus Christ did on the cross. We thank you that because of the blood of Jesus Christ and his death on the cross that we can enter in to the Holy of Holies. We can enter in to a relationship with you, an intimate relationship. We can call you daddy and we can ask 
questions and we can we can make suggest we can say God help me with this or we can just pray to you on that level we have that kind of intimacy because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross so father we ask that you would help us to offer up our bodies this morning as living sacrifices holy and pleasing to you may this be our final this morning act of worship Help us, Lord God, to trust in you with all of our hearts. When we offer up our bodies as living sacrifices, we have nothing else to give. We have nothing else to be concerned about. So, Father, help us to lay our trust and our hope in you and you alone. In Jesus' precious and holy name, amen.